lady that looked after my lady. I think it's probably been, what would it be, 10 years maybe since you've been with us? Yeah, would it be that long? Yeah, it'll be that long, Dave. Yeah, long time. Wow. A, a lot of water has gone through the fish pond since yeah. then. Yeah, <laughs> all right, mate. Well, we're, uh, we're really grateful to have you with us and looking forward to what you're going to share with us, mate. So yeah, um, certainly. I'm going to hand it over to you now and uh, bless you, mate. Thank but, you. Thanks for that, David. Um, if you don't know me, um, my name's Anthony. Um, I have a wife, Jacqueline, um, and six children. We've certainly been obedient to God's word. We've gone forth and multiplied, but we've also been obedient to the call. Um, and we now serve in, in actually two fields. Um, we live in the South Pacific, but we also serve um, in South Asia. Such are the times that we live in. Um, but I want to thank you um, for your commitment uh, to the Baptist mission uh, over a long period of time, through all sorts of seasons and cycles. You have certainly been there um, to shoulder the wheel. So we are very thankful to that. This morning, um, I want to share with you um, a piece of scripture which became very important to Jacqueline and I, particularly when we were confronted with 2021, when in the South Pacific we got the second COVID wave and it hit and it hit hard. Um, there's a picture of uh, the top of the farm where we serve um, in the South Pacific and I was standing next to the Land Rover there um, with my children the dear old truck which is still just hanging together and hanging on um, children call it bumbles um, the, you know, the, the yellow colour and what have you um, but we stood at that farm gate looking out amongst the community that we were serving wondering how on earth are we going to serve into that space now to give you context it was a little different to Australia in the South Pacific. There, um, if you happened to have COVID or had close contact with COVID, you weren't given medication and a mask and told just to go home and isolate. You were actually rounded up and put into a facility. It's very confronting when a government vehicle turns up and it's the best response and the governments of the Pacific did very well given the resources they had, but this was their best response, and that is to remove you from community. Now, you can imagine for us, with a family of six children on a farm in the Pacific out in the middle of nowhere, that's quite confronting. And we're not super bionic missionary machines. We're just like you. Navigating COVID was very confronting. We stood at that farm gate quite fearful. If we were going to go out into the community there, we're going to have to serve within millimetres of this stinking disease. And it could mean either my wife or I would be separated from our children for who knows how long. And so it was really very challenging. But we were brought back to a piece of scripture. Of course, no surprise, the Apostle Peter, who's very dear to me. He's a fisherman. I'm a fish farmer. There's hope for me yet. So I tend to pay attention to his life. Um, and there's a piece of scripture here which really helped us understand, one, the season we're in, and what should our response be? Because Peter was in difficult circumstances himself. We know between AD 64 and AD 68 that he was crucified upside down by a homicidal maniac by the name of Nero that went around 
quite literally killing thousands of Christians, including small children. We know from Roman records. But into this space, Peter had some very powerful things to say. Very powerful things to say. And after we've looked at God's word, I'm going to share with you two testimonies where Peter talks about loving deep. And at the Baptist mission, we've had a, had a theme of crossing the street. Gee, it's nice when things rhyme. Loving deep, crossing the street. What does it look like to love deep? Because that's what Peter talks about. I'll start um, at First Peter chapter 4, um, and I'll start at verse 7. I'll give you a little time to find that, either on your little handheld electronic gadgets, or if you're like me, you're still quite pedestrian. <laughs> we're still in the Bible. Comes with bad internet coverage when you're in the mission field. We just, the devices don't always work. So I'll start at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should speak uh, they should do so as one who speaks with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through the Lord Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So standing at that farm gate, this piece of scripture really lifted up out of, out of the Bible and spoke to us loud and clear. Now, I know I have limited time here, but I want to go through and I want to share with you these important things because I know just as it helped us navigate this season, it will also help you. The first thing Peter does is that he recognizes that we're at the end times. You've got to give account to what we're facing here. Now, I'm, I'm astonished as I visit churches both overseas and here in Australia, people still don't understand that the Lord Jesus' coming again is actually an imminent prophecy when we study God's word imminent prophecy means it's going to happen even that the Lord Jesus has done has been fulfilled it's required it's done and so what happens next is that he comes back again it's an imminent prophecy it's not an if but or maybe you need to understand the times in which we live in and not be surprised by them just like Peter wasn't surprised thousands of years ago. He's confronted with the same thing as we are. Love his first response though, and that is to pray. Have a clear, alert mind, pray. He doesn't go looking for a search committee or put together a, a think tank or gather some leaders around him. His first response is that we should pray. Your one connection to your heavenly father, which is just so critical and important. And more often than not, we come before God when we're on our knees. It's a good position to be. I think we've all learnt that in this season. That we've really got to approach our Heavenly Father that way. But what I love is what he says in verse 8. And that is, above all things, love each other deeply because it covers a multitude of sins. That verse 8. What he's saying here is that above agendas above programs above 
systems above levels of accountability and key performance indicators and things. Above all of that, loving God, loving people. And why? Because it covers a multitude of sins. Now, in first century church, what does it mean about covering things? People often ask, like, what, what, what are we physically covering someone if they do something wrong or throw a blanket over them or something? No, no, no. He's not talking about that. To cover, translated, means to let go or not keep account. Yes, God's word is good for teaching and rebuking and correcting. We're told that. But we're also told that once that person has had the truth revealed to and they've accepted that they've made a mistake, it's not to hold that grudge against them. And quite literally, to forgive in the first century church means to let go and to cover that. To cover that, not to hold it account. Why? Because it covers a multitude of sins. It really does. We live in a very sharp, harsh, unforgiving world. We really do. And I think at times... As believers, we have to navigate a lot of that in our society, don't we? We really do. I think grace is, 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 is really, in, in societies around the world, running very thin. Let, let's go back to what Peter says here. Truly. The big one, offering hospitality. Now, I know during the COVID season it hasn't been easy to offer hospitality. But I found in the mission field... You can offer hospitality in lots of different ways. It might be a, a quick hello. It might be praying with someone or praying for someone. It might be taking food to them. It might be reading to them. And I'll share with you very shortly how that can really love deep and cross the street with two testimonies. Sharing hospitality was big in the first century church. Travelling back then was dangerous. And I, I know in the Roman world we had wonderful imperial roads. But it was not safe. We know from early church history that offering hospitality was huge. Peter didn't mention it here by accident. To travel as a pilgrim somewhere was dangerous. Even staying in an inn that you didn't know anyone was downright dangerous. We know from historical records that people sadly did pilgrimages and travelled and shared the word in very dangerous circumstances. You don't have to read the book of Acts to understand that. So offer hospitality. It's an important part of our response in this season. From verses 10 and 11, Peter touches on something which is really, really important for us to understand. And when I was standing at that farm gate, trying in my limited capacity, in my own ability, how do we serve into this COVID mess? This spoke words to me. It really did. We need to be faithful stewards of the grace afforded us. Remember, we are Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're saved by grace through faith. If we're going to navigate anything significant, it's going to be in God's grace and provision, not your own capacity or ability. It's a much better place to start. But whatever you receive from him, and there are many gifts, we use whatever gift we have received to serve others. It's not something that we do at our own convenience. It's not something that we do to elevate ourselves. It's not something that we do to protect ourselves, necessarily. It's something that we do to serve others. That's the reason why God gives us gift, those wonderful gifts and abilities. 
And we're very diverse. We belong to an amazing God who made us perfectly in his image. You have tremendous gifts and abilities. Some of them you may not even know yet until you practically start serving. That's certainly been an account for me. And in the Bible it mentions, I think from when I was at Bible college, they told us there's about 20 different gifts that are broadly mentioned across Scripture. But I love how Peter puts them into two broad categories. Now some people read this and say, ooh, gee, either you're speaking or you're serving. If you don't fall into those two categories, look out, you're not serving the kingdom of God. No, that is not the case. Peter mentions very broad categories here. Speaking and serving. And they cover a multitude of arenas. For goodness sake, I'm, I'm, I'm a fish farmer slash school teacher. When I went to the mission for the first time, the Baptist mission, they literally didn't know what to do with me. I wasn't a medical person. I'm not a Bible translator. I'm not a pastor. Who are you? <laughs> what do you do? But there were those who could recognize that agriculture and fisheries and even teaching were tremendous platforms in which you can serve. They're just broad categories. Please don't read what Peter's saying here literally. Many do and actually miss the calling. They're broad categories. But again, and Peter lands here at a place where he talks about God's strength. We're moving in God's strength. Gosh, that spoke to me at the top of that farm gate when I looked at the COVID mess. And we, we, we had people on neighbouring farms to us collected by the government departments. We one of your watch. They come in their full PPE gear, look like they're out of something like NASA, loading people up into vehicles. And there's no bargaining or saying, look, can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> they just load you up and off you go. And I'm wondering, <laughs> father of six, how is this going to pan out? But his strength. I'm going to share with you, um, I'm not sure how much more time I've got. I've got to be a good boy and keep to schedules. No one's looking at their watch yet or phone. That's good. Um, I'm going to share with you two, two testimonies. During my time in the Pacific, um, I had the opportunity to be an English teacher. There's a monotheistic community which we serve and the government of that nation were looking for an English teacher because English is not their first language. It's an impoverished area. And the literacy levels were extremely low. And so I get a telephone call from the permanent secretary. Yibbida yibbida. We know you have qualifications which you've used in South Asia. We now need to use them in the South Pacific. Now, I, I kind of shelved that gift that God had given me um, because I, I feel a little more comfortable being a farmer. But nudge, nudge, here we go again. And so I had to be a school teacher again. And that's really challenging, of course, as you many some teachers here probably know. It's been really hard. This school that I taught at had never had a Christmas production in its 68-year history. Not one. And when I went there, I told the principal, hey, listen, you need to know who I am. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus or who they know as Isa. You need to know that up front. Um, don't need to show you the brochure or booklet on who I am, but you need to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. I said, we don't care. You're a male-type humanoid and you can teach English. Just go. So, and so I did. Now, during the course of the, the time I was at that school, we did all sorts of sporting activities, agriculture, which were wonderful. Don't get me wrong. And seeing children improve their literacy, some of which 
couldn't even write their own name and they're finishing primary school. Can you imagine that? Not able to write their own name and you get to class six. But it was just wonderful to see some results there. That, that without it. But the, the highlight for me was when the principal comes to me and says, by the way, um, we're, we're going to have a Christmas production. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> we are? And, and since you're the only, only Christian person here, yeah, you're running it. I'm like, oh, you've got to be. Right. Well, you can imagine the phone ran hot and so did the internet when the community found out that at this particular school we were going to do a Christmas production. It, it, it got heated. It got heated. In the midst of this, I had one student who I was teaching English to. Now, his mother had had contact with Christian folk, but the father certainly was not a Christian. But under the laws of that nation, because she's the mother and the primary caregiver, she can determine whatever religious education her child receives. The mother requests this, and you've got a Christian guy in this school. I, I want him to learn about the nativity. It's Christmas time. I want to give him some information. Yes. I get the chance to talk this, this student through the nativity story. Thankfully, one of my uh, children had an action Bible, which is uh, you know, quite artistic, lots of pictures. Um, there is English attached to it, of course. There is scripture in there, but it's, it's very animated. And uh, this young, he loved it. And we took him through the whole, and it was just, it was a wonderful opportunity. But what I found was absolutely amazing how a child's mind can pick up the very small details, critical details, so after completing the whole nativity story, this student comes up to me and says, Master Anthony, listen, when someone's born into our community, into the village, usually each family bring one gift and we're done. It's good. Everyone goes cuckoo over the baby. We have nice food to eat and we go home. But this Jesus guy, he receives three gifts. What's that? Who takes three gifts to a baby? What an opportunity to share because it actually tells you who Jesus is. Those gifts tell you who the Lord Jesus is. And I say to him, first gift, gold. We give gold to the Lord Jesus because he's precious. He's extremely important. He's powerful. He might only be an infant or a baby, but he is precious to us and to God. And then the student asked me, okay, what's the third gift? Frankincense. I said, well, in ancient times, we would burn frankincense if we wanted to be near God. If we wanted to be near God, we burn frankincense. It brings us a nearness to God. I explained to this student, Jesus is Emmanuel with us. He is God with us. He is near to us. The whole purpose for Jesus being here is to draw us nearer to the Heavenly Father and give us a way to him. That's why he was given frankincense. Now, the third gift really tripped him out. I said, the third one's a scent, myrrh. So, okay, well, what, what's it, like a baby oil or something? I said, no. Myrrh is something you rub on dead bodies. He's like, what? Who gives a baby some, a dead body? What is that? I said, because those wise men, those three wise men, they knew Jesus' purpose for coming. Even when he was an infant, they gave myrrh. Because eventually, he would have to go to the cross and die for you and for me to bring us into glory. And I was able to share scriptural truth with that student. Now, out of all the stuff that went on at that school, which was wonderful, I could talk to you about numbers of 
cucumbers and eggplants harvested and kids learning agriculture and English. But for me, that was the highlight. That one opportunity. Thankfully, the Christmas production went ahead. What I shared with this student, I was then able to use to share at the bigger assembly where we did the nativity scene. I had a mango box with guinea grass in it. Um, received a pretty heavy telephone call just before the production, though. A religious heavy said to me, uh, yibbity yibbity, Mr. Anthony, there's to be no pictures of Jesus anywhere. You're not to have a baby in the manger. There's to be no human in images anywhere. A lot of people ask me, well, how on earth did you cover that? Um, I went into my two youngest daughters' bedroom and I picked up a cookie monster. I'll confess it now. I picked up a cookie monster and put it in a tea towel and I put that in the manger. <laughs> well, it had two eyes. And so we, did, we, we, we got the Christmas production over the line with a cookie monster. Worked very well. Didn't look at, at all human. It was quite blue and furry. But, but, but it did the job. Um, but it was a wonderful way of presenting the kingdom of God into a place which it would not normally be heard or presented in the midst of a COVID mess. You, you had that little opportunity that God gave, right? And to not shy away from the gifts that he's given you. You've got a teacher's certificate, for goodness sake, get out and use it. I got a real kick in the kyber pass from God over that. Stop farming and go and do a bit of teaching. Uh, I think I've got room for one more of I, David, one more testimony. I don't want to get... Oh, okay, yeah, he said, I've got one more. You're good with that? Sweet. The next one is from South Asia. Now, for a long time with the Baptist Mission in South Asia, we've been running an agriculture and fisheries program of which this church partnered. And I love this program. It's been running for 20-something years. It doesn't receive any funding from agencies outside Baptist churches. You guys just keep on supporting it. It's amazing. And you guys pretty well own it, actually. <laughs> you support it so well. Across the state of Victoria, other states of Australia, we partner heavy with this project. It's a wonderful program. Now, on this one occasion on the project, we employed a very young manager, Mr. K, we'll call him. And over the period of a year or so, um, having contact with our staff and with us, he came to an understanding of the Lord Jesus, which was absolutely amazing. And we will not um, pour cold water on that. Unfortunately, he was not that experienced with fish farming. And we'd put in a wonderful plumbing system so that we could change the water in there to put fresh water in to keep the fish in good condition. And we invested heavy. It cost the Baptist Mission a lot of money to move breeding fish from Thailand into South Asia. It's a significant investment. And we had thousands of the things swimming around. Unfortunately, Mr. K in his enthusiasm, dropped the water a little too quick and broke one of the fundamental rules of fish farming, which is fish require water. And unfortunately, instead of swimming, they started doing flapping. And we, we lost over half of them. And it, it was a significant blow to the project. It really was. When you, and no matter what sort of farming or animals you rear, you lose half of your, of your genesis herd, it's going to hurt your program. And it, 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 it looked like it was going to hurt us. It was a big mistake by Mr. K. So we retreated. It happened. I went back, back home. But then I get a telephone call from one of our field workers saying, listen, uh, there's going to be a public gathering at the project and they're, they're, they're expecting a good public flogging. I'm like, what? I'm like, 
got to be kidding. How am I going to navigate this? In this culture, not much grace. If you mess up, you must pay. Regardless of how sorry you are. It's eye for eye, tooth for tooth stuff. And they expected a good public flogging. I'm not talking about a gentle tap on the shoulder or a stern talking to. Actually, sticks. They expected this guy to be publicly beaten. I'm like, this can't happen on a Baptist project. I mean, just, you just can't have that happen. <laughs> and so driving to the project, I had to think, like, how are we going to honour God in this? How is God going to be honoured? So we get there. Big crowd, heated crowd. I mean, they wanted a good public spectacle. Took Mr. K aside, took him into the office. We had the other church leaders there. Yes, he was disciplined. Full of grace and truth, our Lord Jesus was. We know from the Gospel of John. So the truth of the matter is we stuffed up. But we do extend grace. He had to now work with a, a supervisor. He was no longer the hatchery manager. He had to have someone with him all the time. That in itself was a bit of a pride-swallowing experience for him. He could no longer do things without supervision or permission. And I went outside to the crowd and said, there's not going to be a public flogging today. He's being corrected, but, but we forgive him. Well, what do you think the, the crowd's response to that was? What is that? What sort of a program are you running? There's no accountability. You have no, no jurisdiction in your organisation. What sort of credibility do you have as an organisation? That's pathetic. You've just done, allowed this guy to walk. I said, and with, with the help of translators, because my language wasn't that good at that time, we explained to them what we believe. Again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 stuff, that we are saved by grace through faith and that we extend grace. Many ask, why? What, what, what's, what's that? Why are you extending that love? What a question to ask. Because he first loved us, we love you. Because he first loved us, we love you. Love deep, cross the street. Now, for the following month, our field workers, we didn't do much catching of fish for that month. Okay, we had a bit of an accident on the farm, didn't we? But boy, I tell you what, we caught a few people. We went fishing for people. The number of phone calls that our staff members and the number of conversations they had. What it is with your project? What was that? Why did you do that? Why did that happen? This K guy, yeah, he messed up so bad and yet you just let, you forget, and he's still on the project, he's still working on it, he didn't get beaten. What, what, why do you do that? Oh my goodness. You could speak about the Lord Jesus to the cows come home, deep into that situation. Don't underestimate circumstance. It may look messy, may look hopeless. But First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11 can be very relevant very relevant i'll stop there now i'll stop there now please continue to pray for the work overseas both in south asia and the and and the pacific when our little humble agricultural program started we only had about 160 group members that we served um it's now over 3200 it has grown exponentially. And now, of course, with COVID plunging more people into poverty and having the need to grow their own food more than ever, it's, it's very extenuating because food availability and affordability, particularly in South Asia, is becoming an absolute critical problem.
More people need to grow their own food. They simply can't afford to feed themselves anymore. And so the pressure on our project is tremendous. Please keep praying for us. The folk that we serve, this monotheistic culture that we serve, they have a saying, if you're going to go on a short journey, yeah, pack lightly and go on your own. But if you're going to actually go on a long journey, a hard one, pack well and take someone with you. We cannot do this alone. We have to do it in partnership. God designed it that way. So please partner with us. Partner with the Baptist mission. Keep doing that because there's a world out there that is, okay, has a physical hunger, but boy, there's a deep spiritual hunger because people's worlds have been turned upside down and they're, they're searching for truth. They really are. Please continue to pray and, and, and support the project. Um, I'll just finish up with a quick prayer. Um, David's up the back there in the, in the, behind the glass. Oh, no, I've got the thumbs up. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could come to your word. Thank you for the, the life of um, Peter the Apostle. We learn so much um, from him, that he went from being someone who cut off the ear of a temple assistant at Gethsemane to being someone who could write and talk about loving deep. What a transformation in that man's life. Well, that could be a transformation for us too today. Help us to learn to show hospitality. Help us to learn to love deep and cover a multitude of sin. Help us to understand the gifts that you've given us, even if we're not aware of them yet, to understand that they come from you and that we need to move by grace. That's a good place to start. And above all, we should pray and understand the circumstances we find ourselves in. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for your, for your, your spirit and your word that are with us now in this difficult season. And we ask this in your precious and amazing name. Amen.